en hartelike goeie morgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, Ie woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na Ie woord. En Psalm 119, 105 sê, Ie woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. This must know scriptierlik. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. That's where you tune to at 657 AM for the next hour on this Tuesday, the 3rd of October. Warm hearty good morning to and welcome. Abusheni, Mulweni, Dumilang, Sanbonani, goeiemorgen. Die Ewe Weinander so, achter die microfoon, en saam met my getrouw op sy post, soos altyd op a dinsdagmorgen, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. Rocky, good morning to you. Welcome, how are you keeping? Yeah, what a joy to be here, Weinand. Thank you so much. And uh, we praise God that we are in studio once more. He has provided, made it possible for us, and what an absolute privilege. What an absolute, not all right, a privilege uh, to Amen. be in your company. And as Rocky said this morning, uh, it is a gift from the Lord that we can still freely in South Africa share on that which really matters, God's Word. We call it scriptural, scriptierlik. As iemand ergens iets gesêd waarmee jy dalk sikkel, dan is dit die program waar jy jou vraag kan vraag. Jy stuur het vir ons op WhatsApp, ek gaan vir jou die WhatsApp nommer gee, maak so lang jou contact details oop, en uh, krijg gereed, ek gaan nou vir jou nommer gee, dis hoe jy deelneem aan die program hier in die atelier, jy stuur het vir ons, en ons hanteer die vraag dan soos wat dit inkom, uh, lekker om saam met jou te kan keir, er, ergens het iemand iets gesê, en per keer, uh, dan grijp ons na goed, ons woord het so gereeld, en ons dink, dis wat die woord van die Heere sê, een voorbeeld van wat ek so pas kwijt geraak het is, iemand sê nou die dag, ja die Heere help die wat hulle self help, God help those who help themselves, that is not scriptural, that is not from God's word, it's a secular saying, and we as Christians must be careful, Acts 17:11 says, to search the scriptures on a daily basis, to see if these things are so. Ons gaan ook die program uitsaai op uh, uh, YouTube, en natuurlijk ook op Facebook, daar druk ek die knoppie, en jy sal pastoor Rocky Stevenson in die atelier kan sien sit, so uh, jy is baie welkom, om dan op Facebook ook, and also on our YouTube channel to go and watch the program there as well. And uh, as always, you can go back on these uh, channels to go and check and watch the program. And maybe you want to share it with somebody. So, there we go. Did I give you the number? No, I haven't. Here it comes. Are you ready? It's on the Vodacom network. It means it starts with 082. Then the number 657 the very same number on which we broadcast, 657, then number 2, and then 729, our sister station's frequency down in the Western Cape. There you have it. It makes for a very unique number, 082 657 That's the number 
on which you can send your WhatsApps. No voice notes, no phoning, just uh, typed up the uh, question. And uh, can I ask you to please add the scripture? If you know which scripture you're struggling with, just add that as well. Rocky, let's start immediately. We've received an anonymous uh, question that just came in right now. Can one pray for the departed who may have not been saved? A brother, a sister, a mother, a father, a friend, a fiancé, a husband, a wife. Can one pray for the already departed who may not have been saved? What does the Word of God say? How do we answer this uh, listener and can we keep it anonymous there? Yeah. So um, I, I, I can almost sense the emotion behind a question like that you know you it's have loaded. you it's have loaded. um you have a suspicion that somebody that has already passed did not know the lord jesus christ and now there's obviously a longing even that that person would be saved i would say that biblically we have no example of anybody being prayed for who has already departed the instructions that we have as Christians is to really focus, therefore, our efforts on sharing the gospel with those that are alive. Even when it comes to the gospel call, we are not to be a people that are so focused on already those that have gone to be with the Lord. We want to trust the Lord in his sovereignty to deal with those that um, have gone to be with him. And then we want to also be a people that are at peace with the Lord. So some passages that do come to mind is 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. I recently preached a sermon on that in our evening service not too long ago. But there it talks about how we are commanded to pray and give, have intercession and thanksgiving for all people. Now that would be speaking about all of those that are living at this moment. And there is this desire that those that are around us would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So that doesn't specifically talk about praying for the departed, but it emphasizes the importance of praying for the people that are in our lives. And then Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7, and I think this would really apply to the the, the question or the heart behind the question which Philippians 4 verse 64 speaks about, do not be anxious about anything. I think one of the reasons that we would be tempted toward praying for departed ones is because of that deep anxiety that is there that goes, I don't actually know where this person is. And we can pray to the God of all peace to give us peace. And he does give us peace. It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We can thank God for that one that we love that is that is now gone. We can thank God for his wisdom. We can thank God that he is God, that he is far above us. We are beneath him, and his ways are far above our ways, just as his thoughts are far above our thoughts. I've once, um, and I've mentioned this, I believe, before on Radio Pulpit, that I did a funeral once uh, years ago where one of the sermons that I preached at that sermon was on presumption. And there's two presumptions that are often made at funerals. One presumption is, well, this person's in a better place. 
You know, so yeah. that's great. And we yeah. presume upon knowing that, okay, well, this person must have been saved. They might have lived like a devil, but once they've died, they're suddenly an angel. And and that's the, the terminology that often is used at a funeral. And many times I understand people don't know exactly what to say, but they presume upon, well, this person's definitely in a better place. If they died in their sin, apart from the grace of God, apart from receiving the gift of salvation in Christ, they have gone to hell, a very terrible place and a terrible existence. But the second presumption is almost just as dangerous, where we just presume a person is in hell as well. So there's two presumptions. And what that does, and I preached that passage actually on the thief on the cross, we don't even know the thief on the cross's name. His family, for all they knew, this man was a a devil of a man and he was even rebuking jesus and mocking jesus with the other thief for a for a period while they went to the cross but he observed jesus and eventually he turns on his friend on the other cross and says to him how dare we actually do this? we deserve to be here we deserve to die this death that we have well he and recognized himself that he deserved exactly. to be up there and now he yeah. turned to the lord jesus in like minute 99 and says to him, Lord, remember me when you're in your your kingdom, in your paradise. And Jesus turns to him and says, today, this very day, you'll be with me in heaven. And so there's great hope for us. And I think that where I'm driving this discussion to is that the God of all peace, when we come to him by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, making our requests known to God. And I think that the request ought to be, well, Lord, please grant me peace yeah. in this situation I can't change the fact that this loved one that I have has gone already. You know all of the situations. You know what happened at minute 99. But give me the peace to trust in you and to love you, Lord, for all the days of my life. A funeral, in many respects, is not for the dead one. It is for the living ones to recognize the preciousness of life, to celebrate the fact that God had given us this individual that lived with us for this time, had an impact on our lives, and to rejoice in the God who created that individual. Even an unbeliever still has something that you can rejoice about before God the Father because of the life that was in them. And what I mean by that is that we are made in the image of God. And there's areas of goodness that are linked to that image of God bearing element within us. And so we celebrate the God of life even when there is a death within a family. But we can trust the sovereignty of God. He knows all things. And, and he's the one that actually um, holds our very lives in his hand. So I, I remember this one missionary that um, his name was Bill MacDougall in the Cape. And maybe there's a listener that might know Bill. That would be great if you could let me know in the comments if you if you send us a, a message saying you knew Bill MacDougall. But he was a missionary and connected to Pinelands Baptist Church in the Cape. And he was an older man. And I remember a discussion at, the, at a bit of a, like a lunch table or something to that effect. We were family friends with him. And he said, you know, when I one day go to heaven, I'm going to ask God to send me to be a missionary to hell. And I think that I can value the, the heart behind yeah. that desire. You know, but in reality, even what we see with somebody like Lazarus and the rich man, there is a divide. And once you are there, you cannot cross over that divide. In and, this life, you have to choose. And sadly, that man, the rich man who was in hell and in turmoil there, suddenly he wanted to become a missionary. And he says, now, please, Father Abraham, send back Lazarus from the dead to go to my brother's. And Abraham says to him, well, you know, he has the prophets and, and he has, he, he's got the scriptures. If they won't listen to them, they yeah. won't even believe if somebody comes back from the dead. Yeah. And in reality, our Lord Jesus came back from the dead. He resurrected from the dead. 
and people still do not believe in the marvel of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in short, rejoice in the Lord, even inside of the calamity. Seek to not be anxious, because that is a command in the Scriptures, but by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. That's what we need from our Lord. And you can go to Him in prayer for that. But then also be charged up in regard to your loved ones that are around you that do not know the Lord Jesus. And I think that that's where we are spurred onward in this gospel call to make Jesus known to the world around us. Rocky, I want to ask you a very important question here. Hell itself is almost glamorized by Hollywood, by so many. I was listening to uh, some well-known Russian fighter who recently died in a plane crash. And uh, he, he is on record for saying, we will dine together in hell. Uh, the Bible does not describe this place. The Bible talks about a gnashing of teeth. Yeah. Is it as bad? There is no glory. There is no we will fellowship and, and have a good time in hell. There is no such thing, no understanding, no matter what. Uh, yeah. The forces of darkness say, no matter what Hollywood says, no matter what what army general says. What is your understanding of yeah, the Bible um, of this place? Bainant, I think it is worse than we can even fathom in our own minds. Just from even the biblical descriptions, it's very hard to even properly fathom what hell will be like. You know, even if you think about the kind of pain and the turmoil that we can go through on this earth, when you're talking about even the gnashing of teeth, you know, that's when you grind in your teeth. Some people would grind their teeth at night while they're sleeping, and oftentimes you'll even get a bite plate or you'll go to a dentist to try. Yeah. And sometimes there's issues where there's been cavitations in your mouth and your body subconsciously is trying to get rid of a, a tooth that's actually rotten or a yeah. tooth that's been embalmed, um, which we call root canal. <laughs> if you have a root canal tooth, you have a dead tooth in your mouth and um, you know when do you have embalming happen it's with taxidermists and and it's with mummies you know it's not good to have something dead in your mouth but that's a topic for a whole other discussion but sometimes people start to grind their teeth like that but this gnashing of teeth is a grinding of your teeth in anger you know when you would if you think about just the anger that is present, the hatred the hatred that is present in the heart of that individual which continues to hate God and continues to be angry at God. And, yeah. he's, and it's, a, it's a Romans 1 to the extreme. It's what we would call, I think in, to, in theological terms, we have abused something like something like a total depravity. Yeah. And we've used it for people this side of hell. But that's really total depravity. I mean, you, there's absolutely nothing that anybody can do to get you out of that. And you absolutely hate God. And you are so, so in love with yourself that you're continuing in that hatred and anger and that gnashing out. There's absolutely no reprieve from this. The worm eats, but you don't die. You are being consumed with fire, but you don't burn up. There's a constancy in regard to the pain and the turmoil and the The agony of hell. And and it's definitely no party at all. One of the other misconceptions that people have is thinking that that Satan is the ruler of hell. Satan's not in hell yet. There's, There's the waiting room hell, which is called hell Gehenna, and then there's the lake of fire. The lake of fire has been prepared by God in particular for Satan and the demons, and we see that in the book of Revelation. And they will be cast into that along with everybody that has rejected the free gift of the offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. That place has not even been prepared for humans. 
but humans now go there because they followed after Satan and his rebellion against God. Wow. It's an absolute, you know, Satan's still roaming this earth at this So moment. what would you say to somebody who says, Rocky, it's a Chocha Mark Baba Bang philosophy. This is to scare me, to, to accept your God, to accept your Jesus. This is just a, a, a scare religion. What would you say to people who says that? Yeah, I, I, I would say that it is... Oftentimes, we as Christians might get our gospel presentation wrong at times because nobody's actually frightened into salvation. Yeah. What really saves us is the love of God that is put on display in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. We might even know what the consequence is for doing that which is evil, but there's a love problem. And that's part of what uh, John 3 verse 19 teaches us. The light is coming to the darkness. This is the judgment, it says. The light is coming to the darkness, but the people have loved Darkness. darkness instead yeah. of light and yeah. so they don't want to come to the light and that's why jesus says in you know in john three sixteen, he didn't come to condemn the world the world is already condemned he came that he would give them life you know he, he god sent his son so that all who would believe in him would have eternal life and but the sad reality is even with that and our conscience bears witness of this we look around us and all of revelation bears witness that there is a glorious god and we need to be made right with this God. And we know inside of us that there's something wrong and there's something off. And no matter what we fill that pothole in our heart. I mean, we were just listening to the news before this and was talking about the roads being badly fixed. You know, and, and uh, I think it was one of the MECs of transport or something that was saying, no, it's important that, you know, it can't just fall apart after one load of rain, you know. And, um, and I think that that's what we do with our hearts. We so often fill that void in us with all of these other things, worldly pleasures and, um, you know, whether it's fame or whether it's fortune or whether it's whatever it is. We try and fill our heart, but we actually know deep inside of us that there's a gap within us that only Jesus Christ can fill. And so if we're trying to scare people in, there is a very real hell that is there. But that which really wins us over is the love of God that is put it's on display in the Lord Jesus yes. Christ. Yeah. And that's what at least broke my heart when I first came to self saving faith. Yeah. And I believe that that is when true saving faith happens, when you realize yeah. how much God has loved you in spite of you and despite you, that he has actually sent his son, his only beloved son, to this earth to die for your sin. Because you need a savior, and Jesus is the savior, and that and we make light of the yeah. word saving. We make light of that. We we it's almost treated like a flu shot. You know, heard that, did that, done that, but yeah. we do not understand the the seriousness of of the situation, do we? No, no, and 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 that's where I think we we need to really uh, once more be charged up with the love of God for for what He has done for us, and and that's what we reminded of as well. Once we were unsaved. Once we were just like the lost in this world. Yeah. And, and when we realize the marvelous work that, that Jesus did for us, we love God because he first loved us in Christ. Yeah. Then we are moved in a compassion and a love for others. Yeah. In view of this mercy of God, that's what Romans 12 says to us, then we present ourselves as living sacrifices unto him. Oh and God. that's when we start to really give the gospel out. So I do think we can sometimes err by if we're trying to just like – scare a person hell and into, into yeah. heaven now there is hell and there is brimstone and there is that that is yeah. a reality that yeah. is the end result of a life of rejection of god yeah. but the marvelous reality is that god in love has reached down to give christ and i think here's another strong point for to add to this hell is the place of a person's choosing 
It's a your place of doing. the person's choosing. You have chosen to reject the free gift of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, in his awesome sovereignty, has desired that every single human being would be saved. And he has made a payment for that. Can I come in here? I I, I knew a guy down in Cape Town who said to me, why must I choose? Because the good guy and the bad guy picked a fight with each other. He says, now I'm in the middle. I'm the cannon fodder and I must choose. And then he says, I flat out refuse to choose. Yeah. And and you can't be a fence sitter in this case. You have to. Yeah. I mean, you can't say I'm neutral here. I'm Switzerland. I'm not choosing. Yeah. You're in the indeed, middle of this. Indeed, he he he's absolutely um fooled into his own let's say his own deception. And that's what First his John teaches folly, us. Yeah. First John shows us that first we lie, then we believe our own lie, then we call God a liar. And that's the, the, the kind of, First John's a, a marvelous book because there you can see marvelous truths regarding the assurance of salvation, but it also shows you the pattern that is followed by those that actually are in deception. Yeah. And the deception in that man's con, uh, comments is that he believed he was neutral in that. No, he was not at all. He was born in sin because of what Adam had done. And Romans 5 teach us that, that if, or teaches us that if it were not Adam who did that, we would have done the same thing as Adam. Adam yeah. was our federal uh, representative, as it were. Wow. And so we were born in that lineage of Adam. And not only then are we born in sin, but we also chose to sin. And because of that choosing to sin, and the problem is we downplay what sin is, and we downplay how bad sin is, and we love our sin so much. And the real reality behind that man's comments is I don't want to come to Jesus because then I have to leave my sin. And that's a reason why so many people don't are not born again. Even when the clear gospel has been given to them, they actually doubt that God really is good. And they believe that their sin and is better. And they blame him. And they blame him for it. Yeah. Indeed. Right. Yeah. Rocky, uh, almost going to move on from anonymous question. Just the last uh, the remark on this question. Can one pray for the departed who may not have been saved? Uh, you spoke about assumptions, assume, assuming that somebody is in hell, assuming that somebody is in heaven. But then again, I in my life, and Rocky, bear with me here. I've met two people who in a total state of lostness, just in, in going into a coma. One guy down in Port Elizabeth in a motorbike accident was in a total coma. They picked him up for dead. They put him in the ambulance. The ambulance, the nurse there, the guy on duty, prayed for this person. Mm. He came back to life, mm. and, and he came out of that coma saved. He said he had a vision. He had, he had a, a dealing with the living God, and he realized that he was unsaved. Is it, is it scriptural? Is it based on that, that this person came back, and he says, and his life bared the fruit of somebody who was really changed, who 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 now accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so who knows what happens in that dying split seconds? Is it based on that that we cannot make an assumption? The wheat and the tares. Yeah, I think I think that we we've got to be careful with our assumptions in many respects, and it's remarkable to hear a story even like that, and especially yeah. when they're their life actually now bears the fruit the of fruit this. of it yes and, and this is where I, I do think that there's little emphasis in our day regarding prayer even yeah. you know that man was likely being prayed for um like you said he, he was prayed for well, by somebody in the, ambulance. Yes. in the ambulance yeah but it may be even his mother was praying for him or his yeah. brother was praying for him or his and prayer moves the hand of god that yeah. is god's sovereign 
decided way in which he works within this world. You go and look at the major movements of God within the scriptures, and you always see prayer involved in that. You look at somebody even like Jacob, who wrestled with God for a night. Yeah. He moved from being a deceiver to being the father of Israel. You know, his name yeah. was even changed. He walked with a limp after that, yeah. but he had wrestled with God. And you look at Elijah, a man like us, who prayed, that it would not rain and it did not rain. This is what James 5 teaches us, but we must pray, believing in the God that we pray to. And you look at any of these marvelous things, and I think it's absolutely amazing as well. Just I know I'm digressing now a little bit, but even our Lord Jesus Christ, that God God the Father would not bend the rules for God the Son when it came to prayer. Look at how our Lord Jesus Christ prayed all the way through his earthly ministry. Even you think about the night before he was betrayed and he was found in prayer and how God gave him marvelous strengthening, even through angels, yeah. through prayer. Ministry and, and so I would say that a man like this may likely have even been prayed for, but the Bible also teaches us that God's grace and his mercy have got the power to reach us in various situations, yeah. including those moments of even unconsciousness. I, you know, I, I don't believe that God speaks to us outside of the scriptures. Yeah. He will use the word of God and you will be able to verify what God has. Now he whispers in that sense in yeah. our own hearts and he leads us and he guides us. And there's a very real relationship that you have with him through prayer and through the communion of God's word. But he leads us by his word and he confirms what he leads even by his word. And so this is one of the ways in which the Lord then even leads an individual. But right there, it may be that if he was born again, the, the gospel came to him. He was able to understand that he was a sinner, that he needed a savior, that Jesus is the savior, and Jesus became his savior, even in a moment like that. And you think of somebody like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, and Jesus speaks to him right there. You know, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Yeah, yeah. And, and by the end of that occasion, Saul was saved, yeah. and he became an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is a reminder for us that God is sovereign that he can reach anyone wherever he wishes to reach someone, even inside of a coma. And this is one of the things that, um, you know, I've heard a number of these type of stories as well. I've been at the bedside of many that have been um, on their way out. And and you don't know how much somebody can hear. I remember with one of the men in our church in Middleburg, what a a wonderful brother he was. And he was, um, you know, intubated and... Um, you, you didn't know if he was really compass mentis with what was being said. But you go, you read the scriptures, you pray, you're with him. And the Lord in his mercy brought him out of this almost coma state. He was able to talk to us, be with us, um, have some final say with his family. And then the Lord took him, yeah. you know, a day or two later. And it was quite a marvelous thing to to even witness. And and he was able to articulate some of the things that we had said to him, even wow. during that time. He could hear that. He could hear it. And yeah. so I do think if you've got a loved one in a situation like that, you know, keep on just read them the scriptures. Yeah. I, I think that there's many lonely people in institutions even that just long for people to come and read them the scriptures. Yeah. And God in his mercy can reach through and break through that. You know, Romans 8 verse 28 says, we know that all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And God can do a marvelous thing even in the life of somebody in a coma. Wow. Thank you so much, Anonymous. What an incredible question. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, thank you for sending it through. 082. That's the number. 082 657 657 
729. That's where you send your questions to. Rocky, I want to go to a very interesting question that we received from a listener. Hypnotherapy. Is it biblical to better handle and treat trauma? What do we answer with regards to that? Hypnosis. And uh, I, I want to keep just quiet and hand it over to you. What does the scriptures answer us with regards to that? Yeah, there's no there's no specific verse that actually deals specifically with the modern psychological technique called hypnosis or hypnotherapy. But what I would look at is a number of principles that do come out from the scriptures right. in regard to how would we deal with this. Even though there was not this ancient technique being used, or let's say this modern technique used in the ancient world at the time of the writing of the scriptures in that sense, there's much that we can apply even in the scriptures regarding this kind of a therapy or this type of a treatment. And it is essential then for Christians to think through this with biblical principles in mind. And one of them, which is such a serious connection within the scriptures, is the connection between mind and body. Our, we are meant to be mindful people. We are not meant to be mindless people. Yeah. We are supposed to be a people that are putting off the old self, renewing the spirit of the mind, and putting on the new self. Yeah. Even when it comes to something like meditation, comparing that to what Eastern mysticism holds to or any other kind of false religion would hold to, meditation scripturally is actually filling the mind with the scriptures yeah it's being active in the mind it's not being passive in the mind it's actually preaching to yourself not just listening to yourself that's part of what the christian faith holds to that's what the bible teaches proverbs 14:30 says this it says a heart of peace a heart at peace gives life to the body but Envy rots the bones. There's mental and emotional well-being that can affect the physical health of an individual. We see that in the scriptures. But there's a deep connection between being mindful people, not being mindless people within the scriptures. Then there's also that renewal of the mind, as I've touched on in Romans 12, verse 2. We are instructed, and the scriptures instruct believers to be transformed by the renewal of their mind. Nowhere do we see empty your mind. Nowhere yeah. do we see, listen to, follow you. yes, there's yeah. nowhere that, that says we should actually like follow the instructions of some psychologist. Yeah. Nowhere do we see that in the Bible. And yeah. I have huge, 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 huge biblical reservations regarding psychology. It has a false theology. It has a wrong starting point regarding God, regarding man, regarding sin, regarding all of the biblical doctrines that we have. And I'm, and I'm fully against even that idea of mixing the two together because the Bible is absolutely sufficient. And I would say that as just a caveat. I believe, and I believe that scripturally, the scriptures are absolutely sufficient for life and for godliness. If we do not hold to the sufficiency of the scriptures, then we would start to obviously look at other areas. But we would not look at other areas when we have the sufficiency of the scriptures and when we have the inerrancy of the scriptures. And also when we realize our responsibility in responding to the truth of God's word. What are you we saying? We are called toward obedience. Blueprint for happy living. God's word. That's it. Done and dusted. The blueprint for happy living. And everything that we need. And we can look to the Holy Spirit to yeah. guide us. Yeah. And we can look to the Holy Spirit to fill us. So what you have with something like hypnotherapy is actually an emptying of the mind, and then it is a following the, um, let's say, the 
suggestions and the commands and the imprints of another. And oftentimes this is even done in a way for comedy. And and I, I can't help but feel, and, and when I look at some of what happens with this type of thing, that there even is some kind of a spiritual element okay. to that. Um, and, and I do see that sometimes in some of what we call the, the word of faith movement-ish type stuff, where you have this kind of um, name it, claim it, um, a prosperity gospel type, where people are almost hyped up to a mass psychosis where they actually follow after this mass hypnotism so that some one guy gets really rich and is able to buy a new fancy plane. And we see a lot of that type of a thing happening in our world. And we need to go back to the scriptures and go, is this actually biblical? Do we see this actually there? And, And that would be the next principle that I would bring out, and that is the principle of discernment. And I do think that we as Christians ought to be the most common sense people because we have a a sanctified common sense. We have been freed from much of the perversion within the world. You know, even something like um, advertising is is tremendously persuasive, isn't it? I mean, yes. we. I was talking to a guy Subliminal advertising. You know, I, was, I was talking about, uh, <laughs> I, I was with one of the Uber drivers that I was with recently, and um, and he had a first for women thing on his on his car. And I said, you know, you're a man. How did you get a first for women um, insurance? And I was just talking about that. Next thing I got a call from like one of these insurance places. And I All said right. to him, you know, is could it be that like I'm getting a call from an insurance place because I've just spoken about insurance yeah. while we were on Google Maps um, in the in the car? And I think that the just from that whole side, there's there's a lot of this. There's subliminal messaging all the time yeah. that is that is that we are bo- being bombarded with, and we are called to be a people of discernment and to exercise discernment. First Thessalonians five twenty one is a text to just go and look at that in regard to discernment and where we are to test against everything against the principles of the Word of God. And so therapeutic practices, including hypnotherapy, if we are to do them, it should align with what the Bible says. I'm saying I don't actually see that with with my knowledge of the Scriptures. Even though there's no specific verse that says, Thou shalt not do hypnotherapy, I've never seen that in the Bible, and I never see the Bible actually saying, Empty your mind and kind of like... You know, move away from thinking. Can I ask you a question? Received a, 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 e, well, an email, a WhatsApp from somebody last week that says, uh, in this particular church, it says, do not get drunk from wine, but rather be drunk in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it borders on the same thing that we're talking about now. It, that is not scriptural. I don't find that in God's word to be drunk in the spirit yeah. and then mindlessly doing some funny stuff on the stage. It, we, we need to discern. We need to be wide awake. Yes. Yes. No, indeed. And I think they, they, they're misquoting Ephesians 5 verse 18 that says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Not drunk in the and Spirit, so it doesn't but say they be drunk with, but be yeah. filled with. And we know what being filled with looks like yeah. in the Scriptures. We see that in Galatians 5. We see the way that being filled with the Spirit of God yeah. is yielding ourselves to Him and letting Him control us All in right. that sense. But it is not looking like dissipation as with the drunk in wine yeah. state. Yeah. And that's, I think, a sad mockery of God's word. Right. And in fact, even those ones that were in um, Acts chapter 2, you'll find that there were some that believed 
uh, when it came to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there were, and there were, there were tongues that, yeah. that men were talking with, but that was languages, known yeah. languages by others that were around in Jerusalem. They were there part of Pentecost and the Feast of Pentecost, which was one of those three feasts that Israel would come together, which Israel right now has been celebrating the Feast of Booths, and that's one of the other three feasts that were the major feasts out of the seven. Yeah. And um, and there you had some that believed because they heard the gospel in their language, and others began to mock them. Yeah. So it was a mockery saying, "Oh, they just drunk." Yeah. And and now people are behaving in a way that actually deserves a mockery, <laughs> a yeah. mocking, because they behave as though they are. But one more um, principle, just to to close off that topic, is is the dependent yes dependency on God, and that's what I was touching on with regard to the sufficiency of the scriptures. There may be certain traumas that you have gone through in your life. All of us on this side of, let's say, east of the Garden of Eden and south of heaven, we will have various traumatic things that happen, and 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 we can depend on God to be the one that actually soothes us. And that helps us. The comforter. And he is, and he does. He gives the comforter, even just segueing that with what we've been speaking about yeah. with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. Christians are ultimately encouraged through the scriptures to place their trust and their dependency upon God. And again, what I quoted earlier on from Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 comes to mind. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that's the biblical antidote yeah. for anything in our life that would cause anxiety, whether it be a trauma or a difficulty or an addiction or whatever it is. I think that we are too too little praying as as people and too often doing many other things. And, and we are called in the scriptures towards prayer. That's God's way. Right. Uh, such an interesting topic, such an interesting uh, discussion. Thank you so much for being tuned to Radio Pulpit 657 AM. We want to adhere to the authorities over us. And uh, they say, well, play local music. Little Falls Worship, a song called In Him, net daarna, a baie in Interessante vraag oor veelvoudige verlossings. Uh, I, uh, if somebody has experienced uh, salvation in his spirit, but if salvation in his soul leads to shipwreck and he die, am I saved or not? What an interesting question. Wat gebeur as ek in my geestverlossing ervaar, maar in my siel skibreek lei as ek te sterwe kom, as ek verlos of nie? Uh, we'll tackle that one right after this. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for uh, listening to us, 657 AM. Do tell your friends and family about it. We'll be back right after this. Anything I am strong. Beautiful music right here on Scriptural, a Little Falls Worship, In Him, a song called In Him. Uh, we've got about uh, six minutes left in the program. We'll be back right after this. We are here 24 hours a day with the message of hope, faith and love. 
on 657 AM. Yeah, that's where we are, 657 AM. Good morning to you, baie dankie dat jy na hierdie program luister. Ons saai lewendig uit op die YouTube kanaal van Radio Kansel en ook op die Facebook blad saai ons lewendig uit en baie dankie vir jou deel in die program. Lots of positive comments that we're getting. Uh, we don't have much time left, so let's get to it right away. In twee, twee korinteers, twee korinteers in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 9 and 10. What happens if I experience salvation in my spirit, but if salvation in my soul leads to shipwreck and I die? Uh, am I saved or not? Die persoon sê, 2 Corinthians 1 vers 9 tot 10, hy noem dit een veelvoudige verlossing. Wat gebeur? As ek verlossing in my gees ervaar, maar indien verlossing in my sielskebreek lei, um, as ek te sterwe kom, as ek verlos of nie, making a... Uh, yeah. How would yeah. you answer the, the listener? Yeah, just off of the bat, it is better to to doubt that you are saved and be saved than to believe you saved and not be saved. So that that would be a good place to start, and I think it is good for us to search our own heart, to actually go back and study the gospel. Again, I would recommend First John as a book to go and study in regard to the assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation is a gift from God. Assurance of salvation can oftentimes be something very difficult to have because if we've been living in sin, if we're not repentant of it, if we've been going away from God, then it may be that we lose the assurance of salvation, but we will never ever lose true salvation if we are born again. So in addressing a question like this from a biblical perspective, it's crucial to emphasize that eternal security of believers um, is is guaranteed through the scriptures you know ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 which we've quoted a number of times on scriptulic for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works so that no one may boast so when you genuinely have accepted jesus as your savior you have confessed him as Lord with your mouth, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, such a one is saved. Not a Jesus of your own imagination, but the Jesus of the word of God. There's Where there's been a genuine born-again experience and there is fruit that begins to even bear witness of the reality that you are walking with Christ, then you are eternally saved. You are one of his sheep that has been purchased by the blood of Christ. You are in the hands of Jesus. You are in the hands of the Father, which is even greater than Jesus' hands. That's John 10. However, the Bible also teaches the significance of living your faith and enduring until the end. You know, Matthew 24 verse 13 says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Part of what the Bible teaches us is that if you are genuinely born again, you will be somebody who genuinely endures till the end. So then in Hebrews 3 verse 14 to 15 says, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it says today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as when they provoke me. So it's possible for somebody to actually know about the truth, but not to actually truly live in the truth. And that's part of what James speaks about with regard to the belief that demons have. They believe in Jesus and they tremble. Your believing in Jesus must have works that follow in regard to repentance and walking with Christ. 
The passage that's been mentioned even in the questions, Second Corinthians from um, verse 9 to 10, but let me read from verse 8 to 11 because it is helpful for us to realize that Paul is speaking about a different kind of a salvation. He's talking about salvation from a specific thing he's going through. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia. So Paul's talking about his own affliction due to persecution that he was going through as one of the disciples of Jesus and one of the apostles of Jesus, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even to live. That's the, I mean, that's Paul speaking. He actually despaired living. That's how bad he was going through this time that he was facing. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not have confidence in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who rescued us from so great a peril of death and will rescue us. He on whom we have set our hope and he will yet rescue us. You are joining in helping us through your prayers on our behalf so that thanks may be given on our behalf by many persons for the gracious gift bestowed on us through the prayers of many. So Paul's actually speaking there about deliverance from a perilous situation, not necessarily salvation with a capital S as the question has come about. And that's helpful for us to realize there's salvation, but there's also salvation from the things that we go through in our life that we should also be taking to the Lord in our prayers. So it's referring to um, that type of uh, uh, even when we speak about the sanctification element, then we would be talking about the transformation of the mind and the character, like Romans 12, verse 2. But here's where I would get to uh, in regard to even a question like that. If a believer goes astray from sincerely uh, following the Lord, and then he sincerely repents and he turns back, what does the Bible say about that? First John 1, verse 9 to 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. So, dear one, if, if you're wondering, am I truly saved? It may be because you have, you have sinned against the Lord. Then deal with it right now. Go to the Lord Jesus and confess your sin. Don't try and hide it. Turn to him who paid the payment for your sin. And there's no, wherever sin may go, as far as it may go, the grace of the Lord Jesus goes even yet further. And so go study the book of 1 John with regard to the assurance of salvation. But if you indeed are saved, you will always be saved. Thank you very much for a very interesting question that that uh, listener has posed. You would not believe it. Time has caught up with us. Uh, Sylvia, sadly so. Baby, thank you so much for you. Pietro Small and many others that posted questions. Nicole Radebe, bless your heart. Thank you so much for taking part in the program. Jennifer, I see you and uh, thank you so much. But sadly so, time does not permit. We'll uh, take those questions and we'll tackle them. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to write to Pastor Rocky, you're welcome to do that. Rocky, your email address, please. Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za Simple as that. Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za And he'll be in touch with you. You're welcome to write him there. Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za There's only one problem with a program like this. You've listened. Now the Bible says in Acts 17.11, 
to go and search the scriptures and make sure that the things you heard on this radio station is indeed so. There's a responsibility on your behalf as well. Acts 17, 11. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for listening. And God willing, next week we'll be back with yet another edition. If the Lord tarries uh, and we still in this world, we'll bring you yet another edition of Scriptural. Skriftelik, Rocky, bless your heart. Thank you so much for this morning. Uh, praying that God would take you home safely to your loved ones. Regards to everybody at Benoni Bible Church. And uh, next week, we'll be back. Trevor Woods uh, playing out with a song called All I Am. Till next week, keep well. God bless you. Shalom.